Welcome to Investing Insights, partnered by Right Property Group. This is your host, Phil Tarrant. Okay, everyone, it's Phil Tarrant here. Welcome to Investing Insights with the Right Property Group. I'm joined by Victor Kumar and Steve Waters from Right Property. How are you going, guys? Going well, mate. How are you? Good, Phil. It's good to see that bullying is alive and well in podcast land. You guys are picking, Sledging. On, Sledging. Me. picking on me. It's not very nice. But thanks for coming in again. Uh, it's our monthly episode. And uh, I want to have a chat to you guys today around future-proofing your portfolio. Now, the reason why I want to chat about this is that I always lament on some of the uh, the challenges I have with my own portfolio and where I can do better. I think future-proofing is one of those things. So um, I'm very conscious and focused on uh, ensuring that my portfolio today works for me as much as it's going to work for me in 10, 20 years' time, two cycles' time, three cycles' time. So um, future-proofing your portfolio, do you think this is something, Steve, that a lot of people are thinking about when they start investing in property or it's just here and now I just want to buy property and uh, get a couple of numbers or runs on the board and uh, walk around with my chest pumped out saying I'm a property investor. How's it work? <laughs> I think it's. I think, I think you're 100% right. I don't think people think about it too much. They don't think about the end at the beginning uh, and the what could go wrong, can go wrong scenario, or even just living comfortably. So it's more about getting runs on the board to begin with and then we'll just deal with the issues later, I suppose, or, or putting the plan into place later, which is kind of reverse on the way you should do it. Mm. So... What does future-proofing your portfolio mean, do you believe? Look, I think future-proofing the portfolio is just taking care of business, essentially, you know, looking after the details, making sure that you have all bases covered as best as you can because you know, our fear for a lot of, and you know, we'll say the public investor at, at this stage of the, the property cycle, uh, is that everybody's used to these massive runs on gain. They're used to mass, uh, very short or very cheap cost of money and vacancy has been pretty low and they've, they've never really seen several cycles uh, and how the cycles unfold and how you you really got to take care of the ups and downs. It's it's not what the property will do in today's market, it'll, it's what it'll do in tomorrow or even better, you know, judge it on its worst performance and if it's still viable then, as long as you've you know, got your bases covered, well then you're in a good position but most people aren't doing that. So one of the things that, that I talk a lot about with uh, Smart Property Investment is concentrating on the things that you can control and those things you can't control. Don't sweat it too much. Just be aware of it. Now, just to give some context to our listeners, uh, we're recording this the week after the budget. And um, yep. if uh, if you're a property investor, I'm sure you have seen uh, some changes that the government has made in terms of uh, uh, depreciation mm-hmm. uh, of, of your assets. So these things you can't control, what the government chooses to do around the rules of investing in property. Now, Victor, with these depreciation changes, obviously, uh, we won't go into details around it. You can There's plenty of... Um, information on it and if you want more info about it speak to Steve and uh, and Victor about it but these things have changed in many cases the cash component the cash flow component of the viability of a property investment so uh, if we talk about the depreciation changes you can't depreciate plant equipment inside of your mm-hmm. property anymore so that's going to change for a lot of people the cash flow position of their properties now compared to what it was previously now you can't control this but if you're investing and you're on the red line you're not investing for the future. You're not thinking about future-proofing your portfolio because you are a victim of changes to legislation. So how do you feel about these changes? Are you worried about them or do you think your your, your clients or, or property investors should be really concerned about them? Yeah, look, uh, I, I, I'm not worried about it to start off with um, and, and um, uh, neither are our clients because we've always held the mantra that you, not, you don't need to take tax into account when investing. So to clarify that, tax is just a bonus. And it is a sovereign risk that that tax incentive could be taken away at any point in time with any changes in legislation or appetite by the government or by the economy itself. Uh, and therefore, you need to be looking at property 
purely as a money in, money out, and and the tax in- incentives then become a bonus uh, on top of it. Um, and uh, if you're investing and you're holding onto your portfolio only because you are getting those tax incentives, yes, of course, the, the um, depreciations have been grandfathered, but you know, bear in mind for all those people that have uh, bought properties off the plan right now that are going to settle in the future. And um, there's a very strong chance that they may not get the full depreciation that they've calculated uh, to receive, which will then make a big dent in their cash flow. Uh, and uh, therefore, uh, because they've bought based on what they can do today with the cash flow, they're, they're not actually future-proofing it in the sense that they're taking into account an incentive that's available right now. And a good example of that, take on a different segue, would be you know, your stamp duty concessions and um, first homeowners grant when it first came out, a lot of people started, uh, you know, holding off for that, and then that changed. So they're holding out for for a um, for a grant or for a government incentive. Um, you should always invest with the simple mantra that money in, money out. In other words, the rent coming in versus the expenses going out. That's what you work your figures on. Stick to the fundamentals. Stick to what fits your financial fingerprint. Uh, and then don't speculate. So is it okay if you're starting off investing in property, say your first sort of two, three properties that it's here and now and you just want to get in the game and a lot of people struggle with making that first step and never ever become a property investor because there's always some reason why they don't. But get in there, hurry up and don't worry about future-proofing immediately, but you need to be buying the right assets with a future-proof mindset. Mm, and that, that is cash flow, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, I guess the, the biggest mistake most property investors make is that they uh, decide, okay, I need to invest. Uh, pe- people uh, reach a stage in life, whether it is early on or later in life, where they've had this um, anecdotal evidence from their family and friends, they've, they've seen uh, other people succeed, they've um, listened to great podcasts like this one or, or, the, yeah. or the Smart Property Investment Show podcast, uh, and uh, they, they get educated and they say, okay, we need to start investing. Where they go wrong is then they go out and start buying properties straight away. They're not taking into account, okay, where am I heading with this? What do I need to do? In other words, plan first, put the action plans in place, or put, put, put all the mitigate, risk mitigations in place. In other words, you're, you're um, uh, you know, talking to a financial planner, making sure all, all of your income is looked after, your income protection and so forth, and then implementing the actual investment plan itself and going and buying properties that suit your goals in areas that are actually trending upwards, not not jumping into an area that's already trended upwards and is, is very close to flatline, uh, and, and you've jumped in to, uh, way too late in the market and you're trying to catch up to to the masses um, and, and then finding out that you know, you, you've bought a property that doesn't go um, as planned um, purely because you've, you've just jumped in too early uh, without planning everything through. Interesting. So, Steve, with future-proofing your portfolio, would that also entail how you structure your portfolio? So, the vehicles you use in order to invest in property. So, do you invest personally? Do you invest in a trust? Do you invest in a partnership? You know, there's a number of different ways that mm. you can actually hold these assets. Is that a big part of future-proofing your portfolio? Look, I think it can be. Mm. It really you've got to have some forethought on where you're going to go with that. I mean, the, the type of vehicle that you use, whether it be a trust, a company or an individual, should be talked about quite deeply with your accountant mm-hmm. um, and perhaps predicting what might happen later on in life. Having said that, you don't want to get to a stage where before you even begin, you're overcomplicating it 
mm. to begin with because you've read something somewhere, you've heard something somewhere about trusts and security and you know, all that sort of good stuff. Keep it simple to begin with. But I just want to also go back to what Vic said earlier on about uh, incentives. And, and this is where I believe people go wrong is, and if we just take depreciation because mm-hmm. that's already been mentioned, it's just an incentive it, it, or an incentive and a byproduct in combination, really. It's a moment in time. It just happens to be a longer moment in time. And it's always something that's going to be Something will change. On the cards that it's going to be adjusted. They abolished it before, or the gearing effect anyways, and they've brought it back. And that's not part of your fundamentals. And we've often been talked, well, we've always talked about cash flow as king, and our fear has actually come to fruition being that people have forgot that. Mm -hmm. They've forgotten that cash flow is king, Mm -hmm. and they've chased perhaps just hardcore growth without having to worry about the cash flow because the growth will take care of it. And, And now we're down to the to the final moment in time where people are going to start saying, you know what, we've got all the growth, we've had the equity gain, but we've now just lost a, a lot of cash flow incentives to be able to control or hold this equity. And there's a real possibility that some of the perhaps poorer, uneducated people are going to become a victim. And that's something that we have hoped that wouldn't happen, but it's just starting to to unfold that way. Now, what that means is that perhaps I'll learn a, a lesson for next time around, next cycle round. Uh, and what it'll also do is create opportunity for others in the market, which is something not not taking advantage of people that are perhaps doing it hard, but this moment in time where there's been a an adjustment, not just only in the lending arena, not only in the taxation arena, but it's something that we've been predicting that'll happen for quite some time, and we're actually quite happy that it has happened. Mm. Give some normality back to the it's market. It's going to shake the market up a little bit. It's probably a lot of people who are investing maybe shouldn't be investing. And, and the last time we all got together last month, we spoke about those changes, um, recommendations that APRA, Absolutely. the uh, regulator, is making around mortgage lending. So it is getting harder yeah. for investors to secure finance. And, and our summation at the time was, that's probably not a bad thing. You should be yeah. borrowing in that way anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's part of future-proofing the portfolio mm. is actually taking into account that this stuff, these changes will always happen. Nothing is you know, 100% growth in five years all the time. It's just a part of the cycle and these changes do happen and you need to be aware of that and perhaps create your portfolio uh, or even maintain your portfolio based on what can happen. It, you know, nothing's always gravy. Yeah, mm. you've got to adjust your strategy in line with the market. Ab- and what's absolutely, happening. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just coming back to your comment, Steve, uh, with, with um, you know, focusing on cash flow, and um, we've had a lot of um, uh, questions back from the, uh, the audience in terms of, okay, where is cash flow? And, and I wanted to clarify that cash flow is not necessarily regional areas. It is still metropolitan in this cycle. We're still investing in the metropolitan areas. A, a cash flow uh, property is different from a, one person to another person because it, it needs to match your financials as to your ability to hold on to the negative cash flow a property may bring when you buy it. So for someone, uh, when you're concentrating on cash flow, it could be that I my entire portfolio can't go above $200 negative cash flow per week when I've taken everything into account someone else it could be a thousand dollars a week so for each person that that cash flow figure is different and when you're buying uh, and, and putting together this portfolio you need to be slotting in properties in there that will then uh, at, at the time when you're hitting that ceiling when you're reaching your your maximum negative cash flow tolerance before tax uh, in your portfolio, you can actually bring forward that secondary construction. So in other words, I'm talking about your granny flats as an example. So you need to always, as you're building your portfolio, every now and then tuck away a, a property that has got the potential to have this 
um, massive turnaround for your portfolio when you bring forward the construction. And at times like this, when interest rates are on the rise, when your interest-only loans are now no longer being reset as interest-only, they're being reset as principal and interest, that's the time to bring forward that construction to normalize your personal cash flow. Uh, and, and therefore, you are then living to fight another day and you're not having to sell down your portfolio or to refinance unnecessarily or, um, you know, in the worst case, live on two-minute noodles because mm. that, that's the last thing you want to do as a property investor. So, so one thing that you can control as a property investor is the types of properties that you buy, the assets Absolutely. that you choose to hold. Mm. So what you're saying, Victor, from my take from that is that when you're identifying assets, when you're identifying properties to add to your portfolio, you should be thinking about how you can, that upside in terms of an additional revenue stream from that, and that might be mm. a granny flat or something like that. That's what you're alluding to. Yep, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, and yeah. And, and, and when, you, when you're buying a property, you need to know what impact it'll have on your current cash flow once you've bought it and also thinking two purchases down the track in terms of okay will this now actually set me in a better position to buy again um, will it still have growth because you, you don't want to be buying for the sake of buying because we, we're aiming for two very distinct things in a, in a, in a property portfolio we're looking for cash flow which is the rental income but we're also looking for growth and, and the two can go hand in hand so long as you can address the fundamentals. They may not fire at the same time, um, uh, but but they can, so long as you address the fundamentals, there's increasing population, there's infrastructure going in the area, it's in reasonable travel distance to, to your employment centers, uh, you can get both of them. And, and that's something that you need to focus on. So we've said that you can control what you buy. Yes. You can control when you buy. Mm-hmm. You can control who helps you identify these assets to buy with. Yep, you can't control- the right control, property group. Yeah, the right property group. <laughs> you, you can't control what the government's going to do about it. Yeah, now. absolutely. So is there anything else that you do have armed in your, your arsenal of things that you can control to make sure you do future-proof? Is it how you get your property managed or is it the type of people you put into your properties to ensure that you're going to get this cash flow? What, what, what's a handful I, of other things? I think the biggest ingredient that most people miss is their involvement. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and this is the key. And it's not hands-off. Absolutely. It's not passive. You know, anyone that says property is passive, as we've talked about before, it's just you know, they don't have enough. Mm. It, it's, it's hard work. It's a lot of work, um, but it's rewarding work. So involvement means um, something as simple as admin all the way down to you know, managing your property managers, as an example. You know, property managers aren't there just because you pay them to do everything for you. You've still got to manage them. They're part of your, your team, mm. so to speak making sure that you're abreast of you know not just a federal economy but a local economy you know where infrastructure is going as Vic just mentioned or where the employment hubs are what's your property is it time to build a granny flat mm-hmm. um, there's so much involvement to be a I want to call it a professional investor where you'll get the best results as opposed to being a passive investor where you just sit on the sidelines and things unfold and there's you know for a lot of people that's worked over a period of 20 or 30 years um, but the, perhaps they've also had the cash flow to ride the ups and downs but if you're going to be involved then you need to be 100% involved. Like I know for ourselves and for our clients, we encourage them from a weekly basis is to redo their figures, mm. is to check the market conditions, continue their education. And you know, from, a, from a professional point of view, from our clients, you know, we're continually doing reviews to help them help themselves, so to speak. That doesn't mean that you know, we're the only people that do that. You can be responsible for your own yeah, destination. Well, well, one thing I can 
testament is that um, having having known you guys for quite some time and, and knowing some of your clients, you know, they're all really involved people. There's, I don't think Absolutely. I've met anyone mm-hmm. within within your client base who who are you know just a set and forget type of investor. They actually they they live and breathe it. You know, yeah. they're, 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 it's almost addictive. Right? It's, it's almost yeah. addictive. <laughs> but but it's, it's funny, you know. And and as I navigate sort of the world of property investment, doing what I'm doing, I, I come across all shapes and forms. Mm. And um, you know, there, there are some exceptional buyers agents out there but every single buyers agent is slightly different and and yeah. you know when i look at the the dna of the people who 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 were part of the right property group that they're, they're just it's nearly biblical sometimes just how involved and, <laughs> and, and engaged they are you know it's it's a they're focused my focus, they're focus, the focus. <laughs> biblical i like it it's, 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 so so um you know when i look at uh, how some other people invest um you look at some people who sell, sell off the plan apartments they'll talk about hey this is a high performing property and after all these different things this is going to be your net cash position after it yeah so they typically sell the property based on the benefits associated with holding it, depreciation, gearing, and gearing, etc. Yeah. What, what do you do when you see that? Because I know a lot of people get sucked in and they think, oh, I can just buy a, a property over here and I don't have to think about it ever again because it's going to be mm. a great performing asset. Do you sort of have alarm bells when you see that sort of we stuff? We do, and we get to see it, unfortunately, on a weekly basis, yeah. times 10. Um, but look, having said that, I, it's, not though, it's not as though people perhaps that get caught up in that that whirlwind are stupid. It's mm. far from the truth. Like what we've been to a lot of sem- seminars or marketing seminars just to have a look see, and sometimes we find ourselves going like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, that that's, sounds yeah, okay. makes sense." Yeah, yeah. It, but yeah, you wake up to yourself. Like, there's a lot of there's an art form behind these guys. They're that good. Yeah, there's NLP. There's you know everything that goes with it, mm. um, and it's a numbers game for them. But you know, when you step back and we get to see some of the clients that have had some pretty poor results, there's a few fundamentals they haven't. They haven't checked off and uh, you know part of considering the subject is future proofing one of them is diligence mm. obviously not just on the operator or the person who's giving you potentially the property advice through to your broker your accountant you know, the person selling the property you know if it's a sell straight up it's never any good in my in my books mm. um, but also on the area the property type is there you know warranted demand for it and then that's the beginning of their involvement all the way through to their cash flow sheets mm. monitoring your portfolio your interest rates you know product details and so on and so forth rental rental market rental and a really good example of that is you know being involved is with my portfolio you can and absolutely everyone's guilty of this you can actually get stuck in your own portfolio you get blinded by your own numbers shop blind so to speak so Vic will look at my portfolio and he'll give me advice in terms of you know perhaps what I'm not seeing because I'm blinded by it I'm so involved and I'll do the same for him Mm -hmm. and, and as we do with every other client as well you can't really see everything in your own scenario sometimes so just on that note then so often you need to sort of unpack or deconstruct your portfolio to understand what's what's what what's performing really well might mm. what might potentially be a lemon um when you start viewing your portfolio in that light and and you know the topic is future proof your portfolio when do you know you need to start making some drastic changes because where you're heading is not the right way and you may, maybe need to start offloading some assets or mm. or changing your strategy there's probably uh, there's a few key times that I think you'll start to get that gut feel one is when you can't sleep at night perhaps you start to worry a little bit too much yeah, absolutely and that's because the cash flow drain is starting to to affect you um, there's also a false positive read as well and that's usually media sentiment you know how how strong it drives the the consumer confidence which is you know what we're starting to see in the negative side of things at the moment you know by particular organizations um, but when you actually sit down you'll real things will really come to fruition for you or you'll get that hard jolt of reality is when you actually sit down and you do the numbers Mm. and the numbers never lie 
um, and, and start, don't, don't fudge the figures. <clears> yeah, absolutely. And you can only fudge. Paper, yeah, you can only fudge them if you're doing a predictive look at your scenario. And mm. the best way to really do it is looking back what the last year or the last quarter has done for you, because people often don't take into account maintenance, vacancy, you know, uh, expenses that perhaps weren't uh, accounted for, or their tax variation, mm-hmm. something that didn't work out there. Um, there's, a, there's a number of things that you can that'll start to trigger you that things quite aren't right but you should never get to that stage if you've got that involvement that's constant reviews even if it's just yourself and your accountant or just yourself and your wife your partner whatever sit down go through the numbers but be real and and where people go wrong is that they start to average out the numbers so if your interest rate as an example is i don't know 4.57 that's what it is it's not 4.5 because over a portfolio that's a massive difference as an example, you know, your expenses are your expenses to the cent. Be real. Yeah. yeah. And another another big thing yeah, when, you, when you're sitting down and doing all the numbers is, is looking at where your loans are at. You know, some, some of them would be in fixed and they may be coming off fixed. The reality is that with most of the loans that are coming off fixed now, uh, they would also be coming off interest-only repayments as well. And um, just doing loose figures, if you had a $300,000 loan, that was coming off interest only, it was 4.5% interest rate. To go into principal and interest, you gotta find another 256 odd dollars per week. Per property. Per property. Mm. And we know that you know, the interest rates are barely at 4.5% now, so mm. you know, they, they're definitely gonna go up. So let's say if you're in, you know, your fixed rates are gonna come, come to fruition in, in say next year, we gotta start planning now so that we're not getting to a stage where we're scrambling for money, scrounging around for money, when all of our loans go off fixed rates and, and, and turn also into principal and interest. So if something's going off fixed uh, next year, you start the um, measures now. Uh, so, you know, I earlier said, uh, you know, your, your granny flats, you could, you could start your construction of granny flats now so that by the time your fixed loans come off, uh, off its fixed, you've also got that granny flats cash flow coming in. Or it could be that you're also starting to explore other financial alternatives, so other lenders. And and sometimes, and, and in my portfolio, what I've done is uh, I've had uh, a, a property that is coming off fixed in about uh, three months time, but I've actually taken the hit now and paid out the fixed rate now so that I could refix it. So I've got another three years on it because I knew that by the time uh, it came off fixed uh, fixed rates, there's a very strong chance that there may be a few more changes in the mortgage arena, which may mean that I may not be able to qualify for the loan. Mm. So it is easier than uh, and, and more financially prudent to actually pay that little bit in terms of break fees and re- refix the loan mm. so that I've got interest only for another three years. So I've got three more years to plan for it. See, my observation of that, Victor, is that I, I know you've got a reasonably large portfolio, mm. but you know your numbers inside out. So the fact that you know that you have one of your loans coming off a fixed period mm. and, and you'll make that decision now yeah. ready for the future uh, that's very sophisticated and you're a sophisticated mm. investor but um, you know a lot of people aren't that intimately connected with their portfolio and might not know so like a granny flat for example how long if we said today I want to get a granny flat built one of my properties mm. how long till the thing's built generating income in, in, nine, in at least best, nine yeah. months yeah, right? at least nine months in the best case scenario two months to plan three months to build mm. uh, and that's and, if you can then, get a construction then, yeah, loan you bought it right, right and, yeah. and work backwards from there but I think you know, coming back to this whole involvement thing if no business would ever run themselves without budgeting creating a budget mm. forecast budget mm. without knowing what their cost to operate is and some forward cash flow projections 
every single property that you own as an investor is an individual business and the portfolio is just the bigger business. Mm. And so treating it like a business is absolutely paramount. And that is where people fundamentally go wrong is they're not serious. They don't do cash flow projections. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the reality is right. So, you know, if you're really, uh, you know, ad, um, focused on, on making a good progress in investing, what you need to know is absolutely know your numbers off the bat. So if someone Inside wakes out, you yeah. wakes you up at, at 2 a.m. and says, what's this particular property costing? You should be able to regurgitate that straight away. Uh, and and it, it becomes really simple. So if you if you look at your portfolio on a weekly or fortnightly basis, so I, I look at my, my portfolio on a fortnightly basis. Um, I, I do my admin work on a weekly basis, but I look at the portfolio on a fortnightly basis because that's when I get my rental statements and gives me a trigger point to look at my properties. Uh, I, I'm looking at it and, and, and uh, making sure that all the cash flows, uh, cash flows um, you know, good uh, but also forward planning to say that okay these properties are coming off fixed and it's simple record keeping you know just a simple excel spreadsheet would get you that mm-hmm. and um, that's one of the things that we, we give to our clients is is a, a, a google sheet so when they when they come on as a client uh, and once they've bought a few properties uh, we actually make available the um, tracker or as we call it which I use personally and Steve uses personally for, for tracking our portfolio to where the numbers are and where the loans are sitting. So, you know, your earlier comment that, you know, I knew beforehand when my loans were coming off fixed, it's a simple Excel spreadsheet. Well, there's no excuse yeah. not to be organized. Yeah, it's one absolutely. thing that you can control. Especially yeah. with today's technology, right? Yeah. To like, mm. you know, setting alarms and bits and pieces. Well, one of the big ones is insurance. Mm. Like, oh yeah, that's it's a big one. the amount of people that we see where their insurance has lapsed. Mm. Um, because I've been guilty of that in the past. Yeah, I was, I was looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there comes the bullying again. <laughs> but it's that sort of stuff. You know, and like if you take a worst case scenario, imagine if your house burnt down and you, you you hadn't renewed your premium by three days. It's just the most basic future-proofing scenario. And this is it. It doesn't yeah. have to be that complicated. Mm. It is actually pretty basic. It's mm. just some simple rules that you need to follow and, and set up perhaps some um, some steps yeah. at the end of the day. So you need some ways to sort of identify red flags. So you need to... Absolutely. Yeah. That's what it's about. It's about spotting differences, which probably Anomalies, need your attention. Absolutely. Yeah. And, it, and it could be your rental statements, as an example, or it could be your insurance, as we just talked about, interest rates. There's a mountain of things. You know, there's probably a hundred different things mm. you should be monitoring all the time, because that's how serious it is. And I don't think people take it serious, and that's a major fundamental of future-proofing your portfolio. So if you have a future-proofed portfolio, what does that mean? It's going to be a portfolio which is going up in value in terms of capital growth, and you're going to be able to underwrite the costs of holding that property with good cash flow. Is that what you want to be sort of striving towards? You want to be able to take care of business in the worst possible scenario, I think. Mm. And, and this be prepared for GFC and be able to weather that out. Mm. That's, yeah, that's and how it's, simple and it's sad as it sounds. You know, yeah. it, it might sort of propel you if, if one came along. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think, once again, coming back, I think it was an earlier statement one of us said, is it's not how the property performs today, it's how it performs in its worst possible scenario. Mm. That's that's the testimony of a really good property or your portfolio. And at the end of the day, even though we talk about cash flow is king, and that doesn't mean just the rent, it means your expenses as well. It also means that, it, well, sorry, it doesn't mean that just because you've got cash flow, as Vic said earlier on, that you've got no growth. Because um, we're not talking about regional one-trick pony towns here mm. or mining towns, we're just talking about good fundamental cash flow and good fundamental areas and you can have both you just need to be able to ride out the the ups and the downs and actually even be in a position when everybody's going one direction you could potentially be going the, the well, other often direction. that's when you can get the best uh absolutely best uh properties is when yeah 
things that are in a state of flux. And I know you guys are very realist, realist in terms of property investing. And uh, if you listen to some parts of the media, not us, obviously, but there's a lot of doom and gloom merchants out there that say yeah. that the whole world's about to fall in, that Australian property is so overpriced that um, mm. there's a big bubble's going to burst and everyone's going to end up um, in a lot of strife. Yeah. What's your sort of take on all that in terms of future-proofing your portfolio? So. Australian in residential property as an asset class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know your answer is going to be, it depends, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so is it a sound asset class that you guys have a lot of confidence in investing in moving forward? I think it's a, it's a very sound asset class, generally speaking, because everybody mm. needs accommodation. I mean, that's everyone, mm. you know, bandies that around, but it's the truth. I think there are certain portions of the market that will struggle over the next, say, five to six years. Mm. And I think there are certain portions of the market that will continue to per- perpetuate because you know, there are different cycles, as we all know, and we all keep talking about within Australia and, and even in, in different states. Um, there are some areas that, that will be oversupplied and already are, mm. and we haven't even started to see the statistics or the data on that yet. But in terms of this great big bubble crash and, and, and so on, part of me says that it'll be what it'll be. You know, and if there is this big bubble crash, let's liken it to the GFC, mm. there are certain areas that lost a great deal of value and there are certain areas that didn't lose that much value at all. Mm. It just comes down to the area that you pick. But even if it does, let's go worst case scenario and be pessimistic and doomsday. And Even if there is a crash, if you've got your cash flow in order, no one ever really foreclosed on you if you didn't have mm-hmm. adequate equity. So, so it was all about the, cash the flow. got to come banging on your door saying that um, uh, you're in negative equity if you're paying your mortgages and, uh, and keeping them sweet. If you've structured yourself correctly. Mm. And, you've and the loan-to-value ratio. And the loan-to-value right. ratios or, you know, is where it should be. If you're at 120%, well, you know, they might do a random check. And, well, then, you, of course, but you shouldn't be in that to begin with because yeah. you shouldn't have over-leveraged to begin with, which it's is one of It's all about future-proofing. Which is all about yeah. future-proofing and having buffers and, and so on put aside. But they've never come across, you know, banks, if you go back to the GFC, they didn't, they didn't take over people's properties because of lack of cash flow. Mm. Uh, sorry, it was lack of equity. It was lack of cash flow yeah. because you didn't pay your mortgage. And those people that hung on to their portfolios, even if they were in the worst possible shape during the GFC, where, are, where yeah. are they now? So if you look yeah. at the GFC in a hard times like that, if you bought properties in fundamental areas, so supply and demand, you know, easy travel distance to work and all that sort of pretty stuff. Pretty much the assets yeah. that you guys yeah, are Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. You'll generally find after a six-month lag that the rents in that area absolutely skyrocket. Because less people are buying, people are compressing from the more um, uh, expensive areas down to these areas. Um, population uh, growth. Population growth. No and, development. And, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, so it all adds up. You know, mm. you, you know, it, it helps increase your, your cash flow at that point in time. Of course, you read a high interest rate climate at the time, right? But what happens once the rents increase, they rarely come down back to where they were before. So uh, unless you're in a mining town or something like that, right? But in these fundamental areas, they really come back to where they were before. So you'll have massive increase in, in rent, then they reset by about five or 10%. Uh, but following that, because the yields are, are quite high, you'll then start having a run in terms of equity. In other words, the equity will start increasing rapidly. The values will start increasing rapidly because people see that yield and they start jumping in. So if you look at your Black Towns, your Campbell Towns in, in New South Wales. Yeah, it was your first run of properties. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Exactly that scenario. Did really well out of it. Exactly. Yeah. That's, mm. that's, that's the... Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it... Um, yeah, everyone talks to them and gloom. I don't think it's as bad as it is. I mean, mm. there's always someone... Yeah, if you're a weather forecaster and you're in the middle of a drought and you keep saying every day it's going to rain, well, sooner or later you'll be right. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's not that... Yeah, people may say it is that serious, and it is, but like, come on, let's be real. 
Yeah, let's so, not get so too the, carried away b- here. Bottom line is you've got to diversify your portfolio across several states that are in an upward trend. Uh, make sure you buy in fundamental areas and addressing not necessarily your neighbor's cash flow on the, their portfolio, but your own portfolio, making sure that the properties that you are buying, you can actually afford to hang on to in the hard times. And it also, because I know we're running out of time, but it also might be something, it might be time to change asset classes. You, know, so you might have already have a very you know, good-looking portfolio and it's time to sit on your hands and do nothing and mm-hmm. consolidate, but yet make your money work for you, I don't know, in shares or bonds or whatever. It's about having an overall um, understanding of your whole financial scenario. And we don't, for one minute, think property is the only way to go. It's just mm-hmm. a part of your, your financial future. Okay, so quick quick summation, Victor. Future-proofing your portfolio, what's the key? The key is diversification. The key is looking after your numbers. You know, that, that's where it ba- uh, you know, uh, boils down to, is if you know your numbers, you'll know how to how to um, uh, make minute changes to your portfolio, so small tax along the way, so that so that you know you you straight down to your goals, uh, and then you know taking a step back from there. Uh, don't buy for the sake of buying. Buy only after you set a plan and a goal, uh, and, and then you're then buying in good fundamental areas that suit your financial circumstances. Steve, anything to uh, start at the beginning? Have a plan, and then be involved. Okay. Every step of the way, every minute of the day. Good, and, and, and I'd summarize this chat with, um, in terms of future-proofing your property, uh, the best way you can do it is buying the right property, and right property has uh, good cash flow. True. Uh, the right property has good capital growth, yep. so that's what you should be identifying. Uh, the secret to future-proofing your portfolio is, uh, I agree with you, Victor, is um, uh, diversification. And I think the final point, and um, uh, something that resonated with me, what you said, Steve, is all about being in control is about being involved you can't just sit there and idly on the sideline and wait for this magic to happen you actually need to be in there pulling levers pressing buttons and uh and breaking a sweat so um if you enjoyed the chat it's good it's um you know we're, we're in a, a state of flux right now in terms of the market we spoke about um it's getting harder to get finances investors mm-hmm. and um uh, the government's looking to um just maneuver the market a particular way with some different sort of uh, mechanisms that they're using in terms of changing depreciation and you know you can't travel anymore and get a break off and all this sort of stuff so just remember to concentrate on those things you can control and don't sweat the stuff you can't control too much as long as you know how you're going to um, sleep at night thanks for joining us everyone Uh, Victor what do we do to um, to have a chat with you guys Uh, what's the what's the website it's uh, www.rightpropertygroup.com.au that's R-I-G-H-T or uh, tag us on our Facebook page or send us a uh, email at questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au excellent good we'll we'll be back again uh, next month awesome see you then bye bye thank you